For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, how about that? Stanford turned it up to 11. 11 in a row for the Cardinal against the UCLA Bruins. And it was a lot more entertaining than it needed to be. That is going to be topic number one on this edition of the TreeCast. Thank you so much for joining us for it. Sunday, November 25th, 2018, the TreeCast with Troy Clarity is here. Hello once again, everyone. Glad you're with us on this show. Hope you had a terrific Thanksgiving weekend. I sure did. I'm not looking forward to stepping on the scale later on today. That should be a lot of fun. (laughs) Ate myself stupid. Got on a plane, headed down to uh, Los Angeles, checked out a football game, then came back up here and glad to be back and telling you all about it here on the TreeCast. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. Thank you so much for joining the show. My 26th year of following Stanford football, our third season of doing these TreeCasts. They've been entertaining, they've been fun, and uh, they've been informative, and uh, we have a lot of ground to cover on the TreeCast for today. Going to catch up with a few folks, as we normally do on the show. You're going to hear from J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, the Stanford wide receiver. Paul Snadibo, the fantastic, sensational youngster, Stanford defensive back. Quarterback K.J. Costello. And as part of my duties working the sidelines, reporting from the sidelines for the Stanford Football Radio Network during Saturday's game down at the Rose Bowl. Boy, what a thrill that was. Always a pleasure to serve in that capacity. You're going to hear my one-on-one chat post-game with Stanford head coach David Shaw. So, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Paul Snadibo, K.J. Costello, David Shaw. Four young, or well, yeah, David Shaw's a young man, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. But four guys you definitely want to hear from. We'll bring you those chats coming up a bit later on in the show. But man, four-hour roller coaster ride that was, and it 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 really it really started after Trent Irwin made a touchdown catch with two twenty-seven to go in the first half, in which it seemed sure seemed like that ball might have been destined for JJ Arcega Whiteside too, as they were both in the area. Arcega Whiteside actually stumbled and fell at the goal line and took out the other two UCLA defenders who were in the area, leaving Irwin to make the catch. Touchdown Stanford, 227 to go first half, and that put the Cardinal up 24 to 13. That was still enough time for the Bruins to get some chunk plays down the field. Joshua Kelly, their fine running back, taking it over from one yard out with 37 seconds to go, made it 24 to 20. Some controversy on that because it seemed right, you know, from the naked eye, from where we all were, that Kelly got in for the touchdown. And a couple of replays threw that into question, but not quite enough to overturn the call. So I was fine with that. 24-20, but a big kickoff return. The first big kickoff return of the year for Cameron Scarlett, uh, setting up a a field goal for Stanford, making it 24-20, 27-20 rather, at the half in favor of Stanford. 
UCLA, however, getting back into it, tying up the game 27-all, and it appeared that we were going to be settling ourselves in for a for a wild and woolly finish. But then back-to-back touchdown passes from K.J. Costello to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, uh, sandwiched around a couple of turnovers uh, for UCLA, and Stanford was up 41-27. And, and that's when you really start to settle in and go, all right, whew, finally, this game is going to go in the d- direction that that, that we thought it might, and we hoped it might. Paulson Adebo with an interception at the two-yard line, and you're really feeling good with Stanford up 14. Very next play, Bryce Love takes the handoff and has no chance. Swallowed up in the, in the end zone. Would have been about a five- or six-yard loss if the ball wasn't placed at the two. Safety for UCLA, 41-29. Then they take the ensuing kickoff back, 93 yards for the score, and just like that, It's a five-point game, UCLA with all the momentum. Sparse crowd, 39,000, not even 38,000-plus in the building at the Rose Bowl. That was was somewhat jarring to see. But all of a sudden, they were all jazzed up after being dead silent after J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's third touchdown catch of the day earlier in the third quarter. Then UCLA took the lead with 9.27 to go, 42-41. They went for two, didn't get it. Stanford, however, right back in the field, a quick response, a couple of runs by Cameron Scarlett, and then Osiris St. Brown doing what he does best, making his catches count. St. Brown getting behind the Bruins secondary, a 52-yard touchdown grab. Just a three-play, 75-yard drive, took a minute, eight seconds off the clock, 49-42. That ended up being the final score as it eventually held up. Stanford was standing some challenges defensively, uh, forcing uh, UCLA to turn it over on downs inside Stanford territory after Wilton Spates made a couple of boneheaded decisions. Didn't even throw the ball when the Bruins had a chance to perhaps get a touchdown to tie it up. And then we thought it was a fumble inside the final minute that Stanford had recovered to salt away the game, but instead it was called targeting. Don't know where that came from as Elijah Holder was dismissed from the game, but uh, UCLA could not convert on, on that final last gasp opportunity. And Stanford escaped and walked out of the Rose Bowl with a 49-42 win. What what a game. And, and you know what? In, in the grand scheme of things, they don't ask how. They just ask how many. How many points did you score? And how many points did the other team get? And in a bit of a shootout, in a track meet that developed over the final two quarters plus of this game, Stanford able to prevail. And, boy, Maybe not the maybe not the best of wins as far as uh, Coach David Shaw's mental health is concerned. Certainly, like not like it was against Oregon State when Stanford was able to to get the big lead, hold on to it, move on from there. But I'm sure that David Shaw will take it any way that he can get it. Shootout aside, as part of my duties with the Stanford Football Radio Network on Saturday, I caught up with Stanford head coach David Shaw. Here is our conversation. All right, Coach, looked like it might be easy, and then it wasn't. Things got a little bit hectic about the final quarter and a half or so, but you get the 49-42 win. What did it take to get the job done today? Well, it took a lot for us. Um, UCLA made it hard. They've been on a run this last month. They've gotten better and better and better as they've gotten healthier and healthier. Uh, They've run the ball extremely well. We came out and played uh, not great at the beginning, but we got into a good groove, and then we spotted them nine points with a a bad – we missed a block that led to a safety and a kickoff return to a fast guy. 
that went right down and ran past us. So, but we fought back. We never hung our heads. And a testament to all the things that we've been through all year. Our guys never stopped fighting, never stopped trying. KJ Costello, five touchdown passes. Another day at the office for him. Yeah, you know, and he and JJ have an unbelievable chemistry. And when he's got one-on-one, -on -one, he's going to take those opportunities to get to those guys. And Trent Nero made a heck of a play uh, running past the, their, their left corner for a big play also. What are some things initially here? Got to look at the tape, obviously, but big concerns coming out of this game, some things that, that, that could have obviously gone better. Well, our biggest concern throughout the year is just health. Right? We've got more guys banged up today, more guys walking off the field, more guys getting x-rays. So now, I'm just we've been doing all year. Let's find out who's healthy on Monday, see who can practice, who can't practice, and see if we can come back and try to find a way to win the big game. It's amazing watching J.J. Arcega wide side work. Three more touchdowns for him today, and he comes back to the building where it all began, where he got his first touchdown. He just continues to be unguardable for the most part. You know, and uh, he's been such a great player, and it's a shame that the, he didn't make the finals for the Blitnikoff, because I think he's, if not the best, one of the best receivers in America. Um, but what I was really excited about, on, on top of winning the game and us playing well at the end of the game to finish the game out, that last touchdown was right where his first touchdown was. You know, that poetic justice of, you know, him, him starting his career there, and now his last year in college football, coming back to the same stadium to make another touchdown catch in the same place. As, as best as you can, can you take us through that sequence with the fumble at the very end that, you know, initially was ruled, then it was overturned, and all of a sudden there was a targeting call at the very end? As best as you can, can you take us through that from your perspective? Yeah, um, so it was a fumble, but the penalty negates the fumble, because the penalty happened before the ball was fumbled, or before it was recovered. Um, and I told the officials, I completely understand. When you see the, um, up on the big screen, our player had his head ducked down. Um, the hardest part is it's hard to train that out of a guy, right? He's got to be able to keep his head up is the most important thing. But the hard part for him is he's in tackle, he's in position to make a tackle, and the and the tight end was pushed into him. So of course his natural instinct was to was to put his head down. He's got to keep his head up. Um, but I don't blame the officials at all. It was the right call. Eleven in a row against the Bruins. What does that mean to you? Um, you know, I, I don't know what it means um, except the fact that we've played we played really hard and we played really well. Um, we've had a lot of success in this stadium. Um, but don't count UCLA out. They've gotten better and better and better. And then at the end of the at the end of the game, I mean, it was anybody's game. And that that's them short. Also, they've been fighting through injuries. The next few years, this this team's going to be really good. And now as we wrap this up, finally, the California Golden Bears big game week part two. Absolutely. Um, I know we're excited. I know they're excited. Um, it should be a great atmosphere. It should be a lot of fun. Like I said, though, we got to find out on Monday who's going to be healthy, who's going to be ready to play. Coach, thanks a bunch as always. Say travels back to the Bay. Thank you. That's David Shaw, and I'm, I'm really glad that he took the time out to explain that that really confusing fumble sequence in the final minute where it appeared that they were reviewing whether the play was a fumble or not, but as it turned out, it wasn't the, the, the fumble that they were looking at. It was targeting, and it was never explained by the referee that the fumble had been overturned. That was never explained. All of a sudden, we're just hearing about a targeting call, and Elijah Holder's getting kicked out of the game and will now miss the first half of big game as well. So so I'm, I'm glad that David Shaw kind of went through that and explained it a little bit there. But, uh, boy, <laughs> o -o -o overall, you know, Shaw happy with the resolve that Stanford has shown all year long, even when its backs are against the wall, and even when much of it is self-inflicted, they've been able to find ways out of it, or at least make games competitive. That has been uh, one of the trademarks of this year's squad. Unfortunately, one of the other main trademarks of 2018 Stanford Cardinal football is the injury list. 
health, a major, major issue. You just heard Coach talk about it there, uh, saying that he'll just see who's healthy on Monday and, and go for it from there, formulate game plans, and try to figure things out uh, from that point. Stanford already without Caden Smith coming in with a lower body injury. Uh, so he was he was not available for the Cardinal uh, coming into the game uh, against the UCLA Bruins. And then guys along the way against the UCLA Bruins who, who missed time and or left the game completely not to return, Elijah Holder, Frank Buncombe, Alameen Murphy. Those are three of your main secondary guys, by the way. Andrew Pritz, the linebacker. Gabe Reed, the outside linebacker. Oh, by the way, that's just the defense. Those are just the defensive guys who left the game with injury at some point. Now, Holder came back. Buncombe came back. Reed came back. Murphy did not. Pritz did not. And Pritz had to be helped off the field. Uh, looked like uh, that might be something that, that takes longer than a week or so. So he might not be ready to go uh, for a big game in Berkeley next week. And Devery Hamilton, we talked about this earlier on the TreeCast last week, about how Hamilton hasn't been 100%, and he was a bit, his status was a bit up in the air, availability for UCLA last week, which was important because on the depth chart last week, Hamilton was listed as the starting right guard and the backup left tackle and the backup right tackle. So Dylan Powell got the start, as it turned out, against UCLA. Played a couple series, then Hamilton came in for a couple of series, but then after about midway late through the second quarter, it was Powell at right guard the rest of the way. Not sure if Hamilton tried to give it a go and couldn't. Uh, not sure what the story is there. Hopefully we'll know more on Tuesday, uh, the next time we chat with David Shaw for his weekly press conference. But just injuries left and right for Stanford, especially defensively. So as a result of that, when you looked out on the field, with the game on the line in the late minutes, you saw guys like Noah Williams on the field for Stanford. You saw Tomas Schaffer on the field for the Cardinal. Andres Fox came in throughout the game, and he had, he had a couple of big plays. He was in on some, on some nifty plays for Stanford defensively. Obi Abo came in when Elijah Holder got hurt, and then again when Elijah Holder got kicked out. But you saw guys like that on the field with the game on the line. And even though it was a little hairy, getting some white knuckles, <laughs> maybe some gray hairs, if you still have hair, they still came off the field with the whim. Now, how many of those guys are we going to see next week against Cal? Don't know yet. But I'd imagine we're going to see all, if not, or most, if not all, of the group that we just mentioned with Williams and Tomas Schaffer and Andres Fox and Obi Ebo. Uh, Kendall Williamson has certainly gotten a lot of playing time over the past few weeks as well. Health is a major, major issue for Stanford, and it continues to be. And it will continue. That will continue through the bowl season, and hopefully things start to sort themselves out uh, by the time they get the spring uh, practices rolling in February. One guy who returned from injury for Stanford last week was J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Rolled his ankle against Washington, did not play against Oregon State, could have played if big game had been played uh, on its scheduled date, but that just gave an extra week of recuperation, 
And R. Sega Whiteside was, was in full form when he squared off against the UCLA Bruins yesterday. Seven catches, 106 yards, and three touchdowns overall. A portion of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's media availability after that performance is as follows, and, and it begins with J.J. being asked how it felt to be back out there after missing the last couple of weeks with injury. It was great. I had so much energy going into this game. It's stored up from the last two two weeks for me, or three weeks for me. Um, you know, because we had the game get canceled last week, which I was about 80-90% for. Um, and then we got canceled, and now I had a whole another week just to rest, recover, get everything healthy, and just go out there and play. Um, it was almost like playing the first game, the first game of the year, all over again, just because it just felt that long to me. Um, so it was, it was great. Confession time. How close were you to snagging Trent's touchdown pass? Yeah, I'm still on confused when that happened. I was like, I, I honestly don't know. I thought the ball was coming to me. I ran for it, and then next thing you know, I'm on the ground looking up at the ref, and he's doing the touchdown signal. And I had to ask him. I was like, Wait, did we score? And he was like, Yeah, yeah, number two got it. And I look at Trent, and I see two DBs on the ground. I'm like, What the heck? Just happened. I have no idea, but I'm glad it happened. <laughs> so how was that play supposed to? Never mind. It's a, what about uh, uh, KJ in this game? You know, he threw the early pick and then came back and threw five touchdown passes. What did you think of his performance? Oh, yeah, he's just KJ, you know. Uh, that's what I expect from him. Um, I mean, if you if you guys get a chance to just see him and talk to him on the sideline, you know that no matter what happens in the past, his motor is still going. Nothing nothing phases him. Nothing affects him. You know? But he's throwing five touchdowns on the first quarter. He's still the same guy. Um, and that's just that's just what you want out of your quarterback. Because um, at this point, if we throw a pick, we know we're going to bounce back because he's going he's in total control. Your first touchdown catch ever came in this building, and you had three tonight in between. You're now the second all-time uh, leading touchdown grabber in Stanford history. What is it about this building that, that makes you come to the forefront here? I mean, it's just special. I mean, who wouldn't want to play in the Rose Bowl? I remember when I was in fresh uh, in high school, freshman, sophomore, and I was telling my dad when Stanford and Michigan State were playing, like, I want to play there. You know, like these are these teams, like, I want to play for them or against them. Um, luckily, Stanford came came knocking at my door. And I knew then I was like, yeah, I need, every time I go into the stadium when I was watching as a kid, I need to make a special. You had to win some one-on-one -on -one battles, as you almost always do. How does this UCLA secondary compare to some of the secondaries you've played this year? Oh, they were good. They were good. They were fast, athletic. Um, the both of their corners were fast, athletic. They got a, a captain at safety who's pretty good. Um, I just knew going in that I wanted to rely on a lot on technique and um, just speed and, you know, just back to the basics and, you know, just go out there and just play ball. I mean, as a receiver, that's what you want, one-on-one -on -one coverage. Can you talk about where and how far Osiris and Michael Wilson have come over the course of the year? Oh, yeah, those, those guys are studs. Those guys are studs. Uh, you, you watch them at practice, they have a, the motor running all the time. And Coach BK likes to say, oh, like, that's a testament to the, the leaders, the older guys in the room. Like, I haven't said anything to them. These guys want to play. You know, they want to practice hard. They want to play hard. And whenever they, they get a chance, they want to make plays. Um, and knowing that as an older guy, uh, having that, that uh, sense of reliability that the younger guys are going to pull through and want, want to pull through, I mean, it just makes the whole offense fluid. You just beat UCLA for the 11th straight year. You're going to be going up against Cal, I think, eight years in a row. Can you talk about the mentality when you were the one that's had all the wins about staying hungry and, and trying to be the, the aggressor? Yeah, I mean, we know we don't listen to that. We don't watch that. I mean, as you can, as you guys saw, like, we almost lost tonight. You know, it was a close game up until the fourth quarter. Um, so, and none of that, none of that matters. You know, until to the game hits or to the to the score clock hits zero. Um, 
tradition, streaks, none of that matters until after the game. So. Two years ago, you had that touch, game-winning touchdown. Would you say the three tonight were better or that single game-winning touchdown? Uh, nothing's going to ever beat that moment. Yeah, yeah that was my yeah. first game playing, yeah. and to have a game-winning touchdown, um, like I went from going to I don't even know if I'm going to play tonight to, wow, like I really, I'm really meant for this. Um, yeah, nothing's going to beat that moment. What are the biggest ways this team can get better between now and the game next week? Um, you know, I, I challenge these guys in the locker room uh, when we all brought it up. you got to sacrifice something this week, uh, if it's played playing video games, talking on the phone with your girlfriend, uh, staying up late, playing, doing whatever. Um, you got to get something up this week because we have two games left. Um, we need to take them as serious as we can. Cal's a great team. Whoever we're going to play in the bowl game is going to be a great team. Um, and just, just do it for us seniors, you know. You know don't, don't, don't make it about us if you, can't, if you can't find a reason to do it. That's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And his history-making performances continue. You heard me ask the question referencing – his very first touchdown catch in the Stanford uniform that came two years ago and beat UCLA with 24 seconds to go. And since then, he is just grabbing six points throughout the course of his career. Now has 27 of them, and now he is second on Stanford's all-time list of touchdown receptions, passing my favorite Troy Walters. So congratulations to J.J. Osega-Whiteside for pulling off that feat. And, and you heard David Shaw hint at this earlier in, in our chat with him, it, it still somewhat amazes me that, that our Sega Whiteside didn't make the list of finalists for the Bolitnikoff Award. How does that happen? I mean, I, you know, it was unfortunate. Maybe, you know, may, maybe you know, if he had, had not been injured for Oregon State and had been able to light things up uh, for Stanford in that respect that day, that maybe he would have been on that list. But no finalist award for, or no finalist uh, status for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for the Bolitnikoff Award. That's a real shame. That's a real shame. Defensively, what an interesting afternoon that was for the Stanford uh, defense. They, they took some punches. Started off looking pretty good, but then wobbled for much of the rest of the way. Still, however, came up with some big plays and some big turnovers, particularly in the second half. Paul Snedebo with one of those big plays as, as UCLA was trying to get back into it. But Adebo coming up, fantastic anticipation, making the interception and giving Stanford the ball at its own two-yard line late in the third quarter. With Stanford up 14, we figured that, hey, Stanford was on easy street the rest of the way. Well, not so much as we all know now. Still, Paul Snedebo met with the media after the game, a portion of his availability here, and it starts with him summing up the day for the Cardinal defense. I think we were just mentally tough more than anything. We gave up a lot of plays, um, but down the, down the stretch, made the plays that we needed. Your pick, uh, you got your pick at the, about the two-yard line. and uh... Yeah. <laughs> Thought it was a good play. Uh, turned out to be not so good play, but now things happen. Then you had a safety. The and then, you know, yeah. Things kinda... You can't predict things like that, but I'm just proud of the way we fought back, uh, all of us as a team. So You were losing guys right and left out there, it looked like, right? Yeah, we had a lot of guys step up. Obi Ebo came, uh, came in, stepped up. Uh, just had a lot of people coming in ready to go. What's the biggest challenge when you come into a game? 
game fresh like Obi had to do in the middle right. of the game like that. It's just staying in, staying in the game throughout the course of the game. So not just coming in and not knowing exactly what's going on, what's been going on, the tendencies that have been shown up. So I think he did a great job of actually paying attention, and, and when he came in, made some big plays. Can you take us through your interception? Um, they, had, they had hit us with that. Um, that play, and we knew that was a big concept going in. Uh, Coach Aquino prepared us for that. Coach Anderson really studying film, so we kind of had an idea of what they were going to run on that one. It seemed like they were going to those long, deeper cross patterns on mm. a number of occasions. Is that just the challenge? Is that one of the harder routes to cover for you guys Miss in it. general? Yeah, it's definitely hard to cover somebody for 50 yards <laughs> going across the field, so that's a uh, concept that a lot of our offenses use to try to run away from the defense. What are your impressions of Caleb Wilson in your tight end, 81? What did you think of him? He's a great player. Made a lot of good plays for them, so it's really exciting to match up with him, and, and he played great. The pass rush is much improved today. Mm -hmm. How to press this guy in the secondary, you know, when you guys are getting to the quarterback, how much right. does that mean to you guys? Well, the pass rush and the pass coverage have to work working hand in hand. So we worked in tandem today, and they got some big plays. We had some big plays. So it's just nice when we all play together. Paul Snudibo, and I really enjoy watching that young man play. The anticipation that he's shown, uh, not just on his interception, but also on, on a few other occasions as well, uh, the long arms to break up passes, and also the ability to tackle. You know, he's, he's not just... He's not just making business decisions out there and avoiding contact. Uh-uh. He's getting in it. He's making hits on receivers. He's making plays and run support. We've seen that on more than a few occasions for Stanford this year. Paul Snadebo, very impressive once again. But defensively, Stanford got the win, yes. But the number's not pretty. And Wilton Spate, the graduate transfer from Michigan and the UCLA quarterback on Saturday went 16 of 20 for 229 yards in the second and third quarters. Just in the second and third quarter, 16 of 20, 229. Spate threw for 209 yards in the fourth quarter alone. Spate's finishing with 466 yards passing on the day. 466, and many of those were not empty yards. It wasn't like Stanford was was up big late in the game, and then UCLA just, just throwing the ball over the rock, just trying to ma maintain some semblance of competitiveness in the game, like Josh Rosen's 480 yards against Stanford last year. But Spate carving up the Stanford defense, particularly in the second half when Stanford was having trouble finding 11 guys to throw out there on defense. However, Cardinal did not allow Joshua Kelly to get loose. Kelly with 289 yards on 40 carries against USC. Against Stanford, 18 carries, 55 yards. That's it. Pretty quiet. And Kelly had moments. He got a couple touchdowns, but, but, but no, no damaging, game-breaking runs like he made against USC the week before. And the Cardinal got critical turnovers and made critical plays down the stretch. But there are still some troubling trends here because UCLA became the fifth team to score 30 or more points on Stanford this year and the third team to score 40 or more points on the Cardinal this year. Think about that. As well as Stanford had been playing defensively, 
this decade where giving up 30-plus points was an absolute outlier, they would do that maybe once, maybe twice a season. Now 30-plus points has happened five times this year. And 40-plus points has happened three times this season. So not, not, the, not the finest hour from a statistical standpoint for the Stanford defense. And again, they don't ask how. They, don't, they, they just ask how many. <laughs> and Stanford able to, to make the turnovers, particularly on Spate, force Spate into a bad decision to, to eat the ball on a sack with less than three minutes to go instead of Spate just, just chucking it to the end zone and taking his chances there. I still can't believe that happened. But Stanford's still able to get the win, somehow. Although I don't think that Lance Andrews and the Stanford defensive coordinator slept that well on Saturday night. I just have, I just, I just have that feeling. Fortunately, throughout the Stanford defense's struggles, the offense was largely able to match the Bruins blow for blow and pound for pound. And K.J. Costello, once again, with another fantastic afternoon. 344 yards passing. That's his seventh 300-plus yard passing game this year, passing John Elway in 1982, and now placing him in second in that category. Steve Stenstrom had eight 300-plus yard passing games in 1993. And Costello with five more touchdown passes as well. So it, it seems like it's quiet, but when you watch the tape and you, when you see what Costello is doing out there week by week, he's making history every time he steps on the field. It's fun to watch. And he's also fun to listen to and to talk to after games as well. So K.J. Costello, a frequent post-game TreeCast guest, makes a return engagement here. It did not get off to a good start for K.J. against UCLA. Third play of the game, K.J. trying to hit a receiver down the far, down the near sideline, and UCLA had it all snuffed out of Darius Pickett with the interception to set up UCLA's first uh, points, a field goal that ended up giving the Bruins a 3-0 lead. But from that moment on, Costello was locked in and played very, very well once again. K.J. Costello speaking with us in the media, and the first thing that he talks about was how he rebounded from that early interception. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be part of my job description as a leader of the offense, as a leader of the team. Um, I can't waver whether things are going good or bad. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I've learned from that. I mean, in the past, um, you know, I've, I've reacted ways that wish I don't want to react after throwing a pick, maybe not being as confident, as decisive. That's something I've always prided myself in on, making sure that the situation doesn't dictate my attitude, whether it's the game-winning drive or whether it's the first drive of the game. Um, so I felt like we settled in there as an offense and we had a lot of guys um, step up today um, still left quite a bit on the table but uh, overall satisfied with the performance how much did it mean to have uh, JJ back oh man it's awesome I mean you know you really you pick your poison out there I mean um, if you want to dedicate two safeties to it and and uh, you know, loosen up the box a little bit. Let's let Bryce take off. I think Bryce had a, a really good game today. I felt like last year where he was getting the rock a couple of times, taking off, breaking one or two tackles for 20, 30-yard runs. And, you know, that's a great feeling as a quarterback to be able to, to kind of get the momentum started in the drive. Um, even down there in the red zone, went from fades to running to running that one in. That's that's a really prideful move for, for us. We talk about it all the time. That's, that's what we pride ourselves in, taking what the defense gives us. And at times today, I think we did that really well. 
the, touch, the, the touchdown pass to Trent. Could have been to JJ. Yeah. Take us through that. Uh, I told first thing I told coach was just to let you know that was to Trent, <laughs> um, and he he called my bluff. But it was it was. Um, <laughs> who was the primary? Who were you throwing to? Well, so I was reading off of that safety. Really, it ended up playing out kind of like cover zero. There wasn't really any safety to play off of. Uh, the relationship with JJ took a little bit longer than I thought to establish. Therefore, I knew I'd press outside with Trent. Um, you know, so my eyes were hanging inside to make sure that um, 37 was covering JJ down the pipe. Didn't bleed over there. Trent ended up stacking and beating his guys so well, it ended up being closer than I thought. Um, but Trent's, you know, Trent's unbelievable. He's doing some really good things. So you were throwing to Trent? Absolutely. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we got that Can straight. you talk about the run-run play-action sequence to Osiris? Yeah. By the time you got to that pass, did you feel they were ready? Yeah, I mean, I think it was two two runs in a row, 10-plus, two first downs, move the chains. You know, D coordinator, you know, calls the coverage where, hey, we're not, we're not giving up another 10-yard run for a first down. And what do we do? We answer with exactly what we wanted. Um, you know, I've been waiting to hit Osiris like that for a long time, and I think we got to still develop all facets of the game with him. So I think he's going to be a great weapon for us. Uh, Mike Williams did a phenomenal job, and I just want to keep pulling those guys along, Fihoku, all those guys, um, get them to the standard as soon as possible. And playing in the Rose Bowl in California, I think it's your first time playing college ball in South California. Yeah. Um, how did that feel? Like, it felt awesome, man. I mean, uh, it's good to be home. It's been, you know, I've been here at Stanford now for three years, and I've yet to play SC or UCLA down in L.A., um, just how it worked out. Uh, but it's an incredible feeling being down here. I remember being recruited and hanging out, you know, family, friends. It's it's a great feeling. But at the end of the day, it's another game um, and, you know, another opportunity for me to do my job. I bet Caden Smith would have loved to have been part of this game, right? I would have loved to be a part of it as well. But Colby stepped up, made some big plays. Scooter played very well. Tucker played very well. Um, you know, it's part of the game. You saw the way our defense was playing. Guys going down left and right. Next guy's got to step up. That has to be the mentality. Did you guys expect this to be a high-scoring game kind of going into the, going into today? Yeah, I don't think that would be a, a – um, that was a bad prediction pregame in terms of what their D coordinator asked out of their um, safeties and cornerbacks. You know, he asked them to play a lot of man coverage. Um, that's either going to go one of two ways. Um, and I feel like, you know, for the majority of the night, it went our way. And, and um, you know, I'm happy with the way our wide receivers played. And hats off the O-line. Played phenomenal. Cleanest game I've played all year in terms of not getting hit. Uh, did an unbelievable job. Jesse driving the ship. AT played phenomenal. Walker, solid as nails. Across the board, those guys did an incredible job. As you saw, what happened on the safety? Oh, man, I didn't see much. I saw it on the jumbotron because I turned my back to hand it off to Bryce, but I saw him stutter a little bit. I knew something was up. Did you guys keep the same pregame routine? You switched it up, I think, for Oregon State. You got to you got to deliver the big the big pump up speech. Was it basically the same this week or Yeah, I mean there's nothing big, right? I mean it's everyone's individual responsibility to get themselves ready for a college football game. Everyone's their own man out here and and um, I just wanna make sure we were we were heading on the up and up at the right time, not 20, 30, 40 minutes before the game. Um, and I think we've seen a little bit of difference there. I think we started semi fast. Um, you know, I think we could still do better, but um, you know, it, it uh it felt a little bit different than it has in the past. That's KJ Costello. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoy listening to him and talking to him and getting inside his brain because he can certainly break it down. He certainly has the quarterback's brain to him. But as we all know, as we all got to know last year, he's got that moxie, he's got that leadership. Guys follow him. And you can hear why every time uh, we play his uh, postgame availability. 
here on the TreeCast. By the way, Bryce Love, 85 yards. I mean, it's not that impressive when you, ma- when you measure it up and stack it up against, against the, uh, the performances that he was putting up against last year. He, had, he did drop 263 on the Bruins in 2017. So 85 yards might not seem like, might, might not seem like much, but 85 yards are pretty quiet, quiet 85 yards and a fairly productive 85 yards when he, when he got the ball in his hand. So I thought a, a decent day. Uh, for love from that perspective and the offensive line I thought you know pass protection was 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 good run blocking at times was was pretty good I like the misdirection that they that that Sanford showed in the second half or the second quarter rather and you know I I thought the offensive line I, I, I think responded well to that but there were certainly some moments once again where Stanford just could not get it done up front, particularly in short yardage, and especially on the safety. Gosh, that was brutal. Bryce Love never had a chance. Never had a chance. So a hit-and-miss day once again for the Cardinal offensive line. I did like some of the wrinkles that the Stanford offense threw at the Bruins, as mentioned um, misdirection in the second quarter and the pistol formation. I asked Todd Huzak this on the air. Have we seen the pistol yet from Stanford this year? And he said, no, no. So that was a new look. Something that we had not seen from the Cardinal this year to this point. I like it. I like it. So some good things to point at and some things to be concerned about. Put it all together, and it's another typical Stanford football game for this season. But overall, it, it, it's a win, and it's a road win. Uh, I'm, I'm never going to, to you know, devalue um, whenever Stanford uh, gets a win on the road, even though it's against a three and eight team. Now three and nine, as UCLA finishes uh, one of its poorer seasons from a from a win-loss standpoint, in quite a while, although I'm pretty sure Chip Kelly is going to have that turned around uh, quick, fast, and in a hurry. And I also sense that that Chip Kelly has the full respect of the coaches all throughout the Pac-12. Didn't really get that sense with the previous administration down in Westwood, but, you know. So this will be an intriguing series to watch as it goes forward. But as it stands right now, Stanford continues to own UCLA. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Incredible. Amazing. And one of the more uh, amazing things about what Stanford has done this past decade in this turnaround. And oh, by the way, uh, Stanford still with a chance to beat all the California teams once again and to claim the uh, the unofficial California crown this season. Stanford with wins over USC and now UCLA. And that means Cal is the only thing standing in Stanford's way as the Cardinal finally close out the regular season on December the 1st in Berkeley. 
And the win on Saturday for the Cardinal would mean that Stanford beats all three of the other California schools. By the way, if UCLA had beaten Stanford, that would have been the first time that they would have beaten the Cardinal, the Trojans, and the Bears in the same season since 1998. A long time ago. They won't, they won't achieve that. Stanford has a chance to beat all the California teams. And, oh, by the way, hang on to the axe and win big game for the ninth straight season. So a lot still on the line for the Cardinal as we get ready for big game part two. <laughs> should, should I just, for the next TreeCast, should I just, I just repost um, the, 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 the TreeCast we did right before um, when, the, when the big game was originally supposed to be played? Should we just repost that? Because <laughs> quite honestly, I'm not sure that a lot of my thoughts are going to change. However, you never know. You never know. Tune into the next TreeCast. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show. So you can get it in your inbox and in your playlist the moment it posts. Modern technology is a wonderful, wonderful thing, isn't it? And also don't forget to subscribe. I just said that. Don't, well, don't forget. <laughs> but don't forget, uh, don't forget to uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, at Troy Clarity. Last name is uh, spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. Give me the follow on Twitter. I always appreciate that. Thanks to our guests Stanford head coach David Shaw, the one-on-one interview with him. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Paul Snadibo, and K.J. Costello. Thank you to you for checking us out on the program and uh, for us uh, being a part of your Thanksgiving weekend. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And we will see you again later on this week as we turn the spotlight to big game again. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for checking us out on the TreeCast with Troy Clinton. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.